Can you hear me? All right. Good morning. Thanks for being here and worshiping with us today. Um, we're glad you're here. If you're worshiping online with us, thanks for joining us as well. If you were here last week, you know that we started a new series this fall called Align. And this is a four-part series, and I was very clear up front. If you're here last week, you know I challenge you to come to all four weeks of this series. And I challenge that because this is an important series for us to talk about. How can we be in alignment with God and His purposes is a critical question for us as a church and for us as individuals as a church. So it's important for us to stop and say, hey, before I start running down this road, I need to pause long enough to say, God, is this the direction you want me to head? Is this the, am I in alignment with you? And that's an important question for us to ask as a church. It's an important question for us to ask as individuals. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, Scott, why are we talking about alignment? Because people never get out of alignment with one another. And the church never gets out of alignment with God and his purposes. Okay, based on a little bit of your reaction there, you understand that it's very possible for us to get out of alignment with other people or get out of alignment as a church to say, are we really truly saying, okay, God, we're, we're, we're really trying to follow you, your purposes and priorities. So it's important for us to talk about together. And that's what we get to do during our time in this week. And I want to encourage you to keep coming back throughout this series so that you can, again, stop and ask the same question that we're asking as a church. God, how can we be in alignment with you? And if you're new to South Hills Church, you're checking it out, this will give you an opportunity to say, what's this church about? And can I align with that too? So it'll be an opportunity for you as well if you're new to, this, uh, to, to our church. Now, um, last week if you were here, we talked about it. We looked at a passage where a ch- the church got out of alignment. And we stopped and we focused on, well, how did that church that got out of alignment get back into alignment with God's heart? and his purposes. And there was two foundations that we discovered that they followed, that we still follow today, that are our core practices, our core foundations. So it was an early church foundation, and it's still a foundation for South Hills Church today. And so I want to review those with you. And if you have it in your notes, this is an opportunity for you to write those down. In fact, if you're a note taker, today is going to feel like your birthday, okay? It is just... There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot there, so you're welcome for that. The rest of you, just enjoy, sit back, and, um, and just enjoy that part. But here's the, here's the foundations we talked about last week, but I want to be clear. Here's the our core foundations for the early church, how they got back into alignment with God and His purposes, and for our church today. The foundations are this, the Bible and the gospel. These are our core foundations. And these are our core foundations because they're, they're very important for us. The Bible is our final authority— That's what the Bible is, and the gospel is our only hope. So we as a church say, what does the Bible say? It's our final authority. It helps us say, okay, God, is this the direction you want to go? What does the Bible say? God, is this this how we ought to be living? What does the Bible say? We're coming back to the Bible as our final authority on how we live, what we practice, how we live our lives, and so it's an important thing. And then, of course, the gospel is the only hope. We don't put hope in anything else. The government, our, our, our works, our jobs, our families, we put our hope in Jesus. That's it. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that is our foundation. So these two things are our foundations. Now, with these foundations, then because we're looking to God's word, we say, God, what is it that is your purposes? And what are the things that we need to be focused on? If that's our foundation, what should we focus on? What should be our priorities? And there's three things that I want to highlight for you that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. But let me give you an overview of our priorities. 
The first one is this. Our priority is to engage with God and God's people. That's part of the priority for us as a church and as people who are followers of Jesus to engage with God and God's people. The second one is this, to equip the church, that we are to be growing and serving and, and helping others grow and serve as well. So we're part of, part of our function as a church, our priority, our focus is to equip the church. Then the third one is this, to empower disciples who make disciples. Empower disciples who make disciples. Now we're going to talk about each one of these more specifically um, as the weeks go on, but today we're going to focus primarily uh, or actually exclusively on the first one, which is engage with God and God's people. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And in order to do that, in order to help us understand why that's our focus and that ought to be our priority, um, we're going to look at a passage found in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 12, um, and if you, uh, it, so you can follow along with us. And what I'm going to invite you to do is, is to just stand, and we're going to read the passage together, and then we'll come back and we'll look at it verse by verse. But let's stand, and let's hear this passage um, first, and then we can uh, learn from it together. Mark 12, beginning of verse 28, it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, said teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. We'll take a look at this together. Verse 28 begins with this verse. It says this, that one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So Jesus is talking and people are debating with him. And this teacher of the law comes to him and he says to Jesus, hey, listen, Jesus, of all the different laws, and there's over 600 commands and laws in Scripture uh, in the Old Testament, he says, what's the most important? Can you boil it down for me, Jesus? What's the one thing that we can't afford to miss? What's the most important of all the different commands in Scripture? And it's a great question. And he puts Jesus on the spot by saying, what's the most important? But listen to Jesus' response in the following verse. It says this, The most important one, answer Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he begins by saying there's one God, and he's the one that we worship. So there's one Lord. He's, he, he's the one we're focused on. Then verse 20, 30, it says this, um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. So he says, here's the most important thing, that we love God. There's one true God. We recognize that and we love him with all that we are, 
our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Worshiping God is responding to all that God is with all that we are. And that's what Jesus says. You love God. But Jesus doesn't stop there after saying, hey, engaging with God, loving him is, is, is most important. He says this in verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute, God. Uh, Jesus, he asked you, what's the one more, most important thing? And you're giving him two answers. You're saying, well, love the Lord your God. And then the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. So what is it? Did Jesus misunderstand the question? What's most important? Did Jesus not, not get it? Did he get confused? No. Jesus is actually clarifying something for us. He says, yes, most importantly, we love God, that vertical relationship. But it doesn't make sense if we don't horizontally love others. That there's, those two things aren't in conflict with each other, but they're complementary. And they're to be combined. That the, the greatest commandment uh, in Scripture is to love God and to love others. And the one flows out of the other. If we're loving God, guess what? We're loving others. And so it's that, that natural combination. They're, they're cohesive with one another. He says there's no commandment greater than these. Then verse 32, it says this. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. Verse 33. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. So this guy's summarizing what Jesus says, and he's saying, good job, Jesus. It's kind of funny, right? Good job, an good answer, Jesus. Way to go, you know? Love God, love others. That's what it's all about. And, and it's, it's interesting, though. He says, this is more important than, than burnt offerings and sacrifices. So it's more important than what we do for God and all the different you know, service aspects and different things we can go be so busy for God is to stop and say, no, no, no. The most important thing is loving God and loving others. That's more important than anything else. So he's saying, good job, Jesus. But listen to Jesus' response back to this man. He says this, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So Jesus Seeing this man's motives weren't all bad, they weren't wrong, he says, good job back. He says, way to go. You're not far from the kingdom of heaven. That is, you're on track. You're on track. You keep doing this. This is, if you're saying, yeah, this is what I'm going to do, love God, love others, you're on the right track. You're in alignment with me, the king, and the kingdom that I'm bringing. And so it's an instructive passage because it helps us say, Jesus is saying, you get this right, we're in alignment with him. And so we have to stop and say, well, what is it that we do then as a church to make sure we're on track, that we'll make sure that we're in alignment with him? And it does come down to loving God and loving others. It's engaging with God, all that he is, with all that we are, engaging with others and loving them. And so that's why we come down to the let's engage with God as a church and as individuals. Let's engage with other people. Let's love God. Let's love others. But then the question is, well, how do we do that? Well, that's great. That's the priority. That's the focus. But what does it look like for us as a church to do that? And that's why I want to get a little bit more specific with you today and show you what that looks like. So the priorities for us, how we can align with God's priorities as a church, what we do is we worship and we connect. We worship and we connect. Worshiping, that's engaging with God. That's loving Him and with all that we are. And then there's the connect part that is connecting with others and engaging with God's people. Those are the two things that we, that we need to focus on. So the question is, well, how do we prioritize those things and how can we make sure that we are in alignment with God? 
So let me talk just, first of all, with the, the kind of the concept of the worship. And, and I'll just add these. First of all, I'll add that the worship and connect. This is not new to our church, by the way, that this should be our focus, that we focus on engaging with God, engaging with people. This was the practice of the early church as well. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, it talks about that's what they did. That was their practice, what they did when they got together. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer. That is, they were focused. They prioritized. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That is, they were looking at Scripture to learn. They were worshiping together and saying, God, we want to re- hear from you and be responsive to you. And it says fellowship. That is, they were in community together as the church. And they were, they were eating together. They were praying together. They were worshiping and connecting in community. So both things are true. So what we do as a church is no different than the pattern that was set for us in the early church. The devotion that they had to, to, um, to worship and to fellowship together. The combination. Then verse 43 of Acts 2, it says this, everyone was filled with awe and at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, um, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. So the, the community piece, the connection piece was very clear and very evident in the early church. Then verse 45, um, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Um, they were generous with each other. They were searching for ways to serve and care for one another. That community was so um, important. Then verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Um, They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they regularly got together to worship in the temple courts and then they regularly got together in people's homes for fellowship, for food, for that time of being together. And then verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So when they focused on engaging with God and engaging with God's people, God blessed them and the church grew. And so as a church, we practice the same thing still today. We engage with God and we engage with God's people. That's the focus. That's our priority. And so that's an important thing for us to just stop and so and to talk about that what I want to talk about specifically for a moment is just the worship side of things, and then we'll talk about the connect side of things. But let's talk about worship and how we can prioritize worship as a church and as individuals in the church. Now, when I talk about worship, many of you are thinking about Sunday morning, and that's important because that's what we do on Sunday mornings. But many of you are also asking the question, you're saying, well, wait a minute, Scott, don't we, aren't we supposed to worship all the time? not just on Sundays? And the answer to that is yes, we are to worship all the time, not just on Sundays. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, it says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So the apostle Paul in Romans is saying, listen, you're to offer your whole body as a sacrifice. That's worship. So it's all that you are, your whole life given to to him all the time. That's what worship is. But still, even though that is part of what, that is what worship is, it's, it's all the time our response to him with our whole lives, all that we are. We come together as a church and we practice worship collectively gathered on Sundays. And that's an important part of our worship. In fact, it's, it's something that, again, was practiced and modeled in the early church, and it was commanded in, in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the book of Hebrews by the writer of Hebrews. Let me, let me show you what it says. Um, let us hold unswervingly in Hebrews chapter 10. 
Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Um, Go to the next verse. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So let's come together. Let's encourage one another. Spur one another on. Then verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, an important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to gather together regularly. Don't get out of the habit of worshiping and connecting with God's people. So we engage with God and we engage with God's people. This is the the pattern that's been set. It's the command that's been given. So when it comes to worship, let me give you one encouragement and two explanations, okay? We'll get a little bit practical here. First, let me begin with the encouragement, okay? Here's my strong encouragement. Are you ready? My strong encouragement to you when it comes to worship and following the practice of the early church and the command from the writer of Hebrews is this, make Sunday worship a weekly priority. If you want to be in alignment with God, His heart, His purposes, and the practice of the early church, the teaching of Scripture, you make worship a priority in your life. And my encouragement, my challenge to you is to make it a weekly priority that you say, yeah, this is the habit that I have. And maybe I've gotten out of the habit, but you get back into the habit this fall. Say, God, that's, that's, what, I, that's what it means to be aligned with you. I want it. I need it. This is what I want. Now, some of you say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I get that. In fact, Tony Evans, maybe some of you are familiar with him. He's a pastor. He made this very interesting statement, um, and I think there's, there's wisdom and there's something compelling about it too. This is a statement that he made recently. Tony Evans said this, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. Stay right here for a second. Go back to the next one. For, I, I hear people say, let me say it again. I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. And this is true. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. It is by faith alone. So when I say to you, hey, here's my encouragement. Make church a weekly priority. Some of you are saying, yeah, but I'm already saved. I don't have to go to church. I'm already, I'm already, that's, it's not a, church doesn't save me. And you're absolutely right. And that's what Tony Evans is saying. It's by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. But listen to what he says next. But you don't have to go home to be married. But stay away long enough and your relationships will be affected. That's pretty good, right? Listen, you don't have to go home to be married. But if you tell me, hey, you know, it's, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go home tonight. And you tell me that, I'm like going, okay, why? And you're like, well, it's just been a couple nights, and I just, I've been, there's a lot on my mind, I'm really busy, there's a lot of stuff going on, so I'm just not going to go home. I'm going to look at you and say, you need counseling, right? (laughs) I'm worried for you, and I'm worried for your marriage. If that becomes the habit, yeah, I'm married, you're right. You don't have to go home to be married, but guess what? You stay away long enough, and your relationships will be affected. And so listen, I just, I want the same thing for you. I want you to have a growing relationship with the Lord. You don't have to come to church to be a Christian. That's true. But I want that to be part of your habit. 
like the Hebrew writer talks about, that that be a part of your weekly commitment because the relationship with God, engaging with him and engaging with God's people will have an impact. God won't love you more. He's not keeping attendance. So did you come to church this week? God's not doing that. He doesn't love you more if you go to church, but you might find that you're loving him more that you're engaging with his people more and he's rubbing off on you in some ways that you need help and you need transformation, but you can't get that if you say, I'm not coming and I've gotten out of the habit and I don't need it. So again, that's the strong encouragement. And here's the deal. I think about this for uh, adults and I think about this for people, but I have a, 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 a special burden for, for kids on this one. Um, I think about everything through a lens of discipleship. Everything, I'm I'm constantly thinking, what is this discipling people towards? Where is this taking them? And so just step back for a moment and think about this with me from a discipleship perspective for our kids, okay? Just for a moment. You may or may not know this, but the data shows that people consider themselves a regular attender of church if they go to church once a month. The data would show that people say, I'm a regular church attender if they go once a month. Now, just think about that for a moment for our kids, again, through a discipleship lens. If kids who cannot make it to church on their own are part of a family that says, we're regular attenders and we go once a month, how many times a year is that? Twelve. And if the average church service is how long? One hour. How many hours are they getting of, are kids getting of exposure to our children's ministry, taking advantage of our children's ministry, who are filled with experienced, gifted, um, loving teachers who love kids? How many hours are they getting a year if they're coming once a month? Twelve hours a year of Christian instruction that the church is providing on a weekly basis. Just think about that for a minute. Families watch more TV in one week than children are getting an entire year of a connection to God's church, God's people, and biblical instruction. That's not good. Listen, we already are struggling with, we're seeing teenagers who, after high school, are graduating from their faith. They're not coming back to the church And there's lots of factors on that, but listen, I'm concerned for the future if what's being modeled and discipled for our kids is church is a, you know, 12 times a year kind of a thing or less. 12 hours of your life a year, a a year for you kind of thing. What kind of discipleship is that for our kids? Listen, it's not good. It's, it's we're in a new era post-COVID where children are asking their parents, are we going to go to church today? Did you ever ask your parents that if you grew up in church? I didn't. That was never a question. It was assumed you're always going to church. You're going on a vacation. On vacation, guess what? We're finding another church in wherever we're on vacation for. We worship. That was part of what we did. But children are waking up asking the question, are we going to go to church today? And parents are thinking, saying, well, let me think about it. Listen, in terms of discipleship, we have to ask the question, where, where, what is this going to lead? And what do we want? And, and we got to model something different if we want them to have faith in Jesus and a love for the church, that they follow him forever. We want that. We desire that. So listen, here's my strong encouragement. Make church, Sunday worship, a weekly priority. Make it a weekly priority. 
So this is an important thing. So that's my encouragement. Now, give me, let me give you two explanations. The two explanations I have for you is this. The question that you may have then is, well, what about our online experience? Why do we put our, our gatherings online? So if we're, we're, we're meant to come together and engage with God, engage with God's people, why are we um, showing our, putting our services online? And so to answer that question, and by the way, this is a big debate. You may or may not be aware of it, but this is a big debate in, among churches right now. Because of the same things that I just talked about, the importance of people coming together for worship, uh, to engage with God and engage with other people, there is a big debate among churches of should we do online services? And many churches are moving away from online church services because they say, no, it's too important, that, that focus, that priority of coming together. We are choosing to continue with our online services, and there's a couple of reasons why, and so let me just point them out to you, okay? Here's the first one. The first reason why we, we put our, our gatherings online is this. It's an on-ramp for new people. We do see our online services as an on-ramp for new people. When someone's saying, I want to come to a church uh, many, many people are saying, well, I want to know, is this church weird, right? <laughs> and what are they going to do? And what are they going to talk about? So many, many people, and I've had the conversation with people who are like, yeah, I've been watching on one, online for a while, and okay, I think I'm ready to come. You know, I, I think it's an okay church. It's an okay place. So it is a, a window into what the church is about. And as they look, they'll see, hey, we're very normal, flawed individuals like everyone else. We're not so scary. <laughs> and they say, okay, I'll come. So it is a on-ramp for new people to say, hey, I'll consider coming to this church. Secondly, is this. It's an option B for shut-ins or when traveling, working, or sick. Um, many people who physically cannot come to church, it's a, it's a way for them to still connect with their church family. And so we put it online for those folks who, who cannot um, meet, meet with us. And for many of you, you have had the experience of also uh, you're traveling and you're away and for work or whatever it might be, and it allows you to stay connected with the church and growing with us. And if you're, you're, you're sick or you have a kid who's sick and you, you need to stay home with them, you can still worship. And so it is a, a, a plan B, an alternative um, in that sense for you to be able to uh, worship in those times. And I think that's great. And then third, as it's also, we, we keep it online because it's a temporary alternative for those who shouldn't yet be around crowds. Now, this may be less and less um, true, but for a, a, a significant amount of time, it wasn't safe for certain people to be around crowds, but they still wanted to be with uh, God's people. And so we wanted to create that, that, in, that opportunity for them. And there still might be people, or you might come to a spot or know someone who's a spot where it's just not safe to be around crowds, but we don't want to uh, close the door from you to be able to worship together with us. Now, it's a temporary solution, but for many people, it's become a, con a convenient alternative to coming to church. And, and I'll, just, I'll just talk about that for a moment. If it, it's meant to be temporary, but you've found, hey, it's kind of convenient. I can stay home in my pajamas, sip my coffee, you know, check Facebook, whatever you're doing, and it's convenient. Listen, here's my encouragement to you. Come back. We miss you. We want you here. If you're watching online, it's a convenient. It's been a convenient alternative. Listen, we we're, it's not, we're not the same without you. And I'm I'm saying this not because I need the room more filled up or whatever. I I'm saying it as a pastor. I want to know you. That's it. I just want to know people in our church, and I can't know you unless you, you come. And I've, I've been so encouraged many times. I've run into folks who have said, I've been watching online because I, of, of health reasons or whatever, but I've, I've decided it's time for me to come back. I love that. It thrills me because now I know you. 
I want to have a relationship with you. We're not the same without you. We want you here. So we're keeping our online services for those reasons, but we aren't keeping it for those who are just saying it's a convenient reason, okay? So we're, we're challenging you. We're pushing you. We want you here because we love you and we want to grow with you. If you are watching online, I know Doreen mentioned it earlier, but we have a one-minute survey. If at some point uh, you can do that before the service is over, just fill in a couple of questions. It would help us know how to best serve you, okay? So those are the, the, the three reasons why we're putting our gatherings online. Now, that's one explanation. I have a second explanation that I want to talk about in terms of worship. And this is uh, an important one because it impacts how we do our worship and how we plan our worship. And if you were here last fall, you may have heard some of this, but let me repeat it. And so if some of you just, if you hear it enough, hopefully you'll be able to just be able to state it and know it. But I want to talk for a moment about our targets when it comes to our worship services and what informs us and how we do what we do. So let me just talk for a moment about our targets. Um, when it looks, comes to our targets, the center of our target is a new believer that we want as a worshiping community, as a church, to be very intentional in targeting the new believer. That is, if someone came to faith this past week and they showed up to church today, they're, they're, they're a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And we celebrate that. And even though the new has come, when they show up to church, guess what? There's a whole lot new ahead of them, right? There's a whole lot of things that God um, has opened their heart and he's, he's given them salvation and freedom and, and lordship of their life, but there's still a lot of things they don't understand. And so we, when we think about our worship services, we, we want to target the new believers. So we take time to explain things in the Bible that a new person wouldn't understand. We take time to talk about, oh, this is what this word means in the Bible, and we don't assume that if someone's showing up on a Sunday morning, they know what it's all about. And so we take time to explain, you know, words like justification and sanctification and even words like the gospel. We'll explain that because if you've never come to church before and you don't know, you know, the gospel, the gospel, if you're a non-church person coming in, the gospel to you is a genre of music. You know what I'm talking about? That's, it's a non-Christian. That's what it is. But for a Christian who's grown up, oh, gospel means good news. It's the good news about Jesus. But people need an explanation. That's what the word means. It's not a genre of music. It's the good news about Jesus. So we'll stop and we'll address it. We'll talk about it. We aren't going to assume that everyone knows where every book of the Bible is in, 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 their, in their Bible. So we're not, we're, we're you know, intentionally targeting the new believer because we recognize we're not speaking to just people who know the Bible the best. We're speaking to people who, who are new to the Bible and we don't want to lose them in the process. And we also know not only the people who are new believers are showing up to our church um, who may not know all the lingo and all the words and all the practices, but they all of a sudden, um, as if they've come to faith in Christ this past week and show up this Sunday, they don't all of a sudden show up um, with a, a love for um, a couple hundred-year-old music, okay? So we recognize that a new person coming in, what is it that's going to connect with them? And even before I came to this church, South Hills Church, South Hills church had made a decision to say, we're going to move towards contemporary music because we want to connect with the new believer. And that's just a, a part of what this church has said. This is an important thing. We want to care for the new believer who's showing up to church and informs how we function and what we do. So there's the new believer, that's the center of the target, but then there's the almost believer that we also want to be paying attention to those who are coming and are kind of what I'd say kicking the tires on Christianity. They're investigating, um, they're, they're curious. 
Maybe a life crisis has come into their life and they're saying, I need help. So they're showing up to church saying, maybe God can help me. And so we, we recognize that. We want to reach out to them, those who are curious, those who are seeking. And it's not, we're not trying to reach everyone who's far from God. We're trying to reach really those who are saying, I'm turning to God. And how can we remove all the barriers for those who are turning to God so that they come and say, see Jesus? That's what we're about removing the barriers so that they can see Jesus. There's an interesting um, verse in 1 Corinthians, and there's a lot of going on in this, in this passage, this story, this scene that we can talk about another time, but there is a, a particular application that I think is helpful. In 1 Corinthians 14, 23, there's a great debate about tongues, speaking in tongues. Um, again, we can talk about that another time, but, but there's an interesting application here that, that Paul points out. It says this, So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church and he's saying, Hey, church, listen, um, people are coming in that are inquiring. And there's people who are coming into the church who don't yet believe and we need to practice and not put barriers in front of them uh, to Jesus. And so we have to keep them in mind. And so it's just a, a way of thinking that says, yeah, we've got to think about those who are not yet believers. Then there's a third target that we'll talk about, that I want to point out, which is the seventh grader, that we want to reach younger. We want, um, I love our, our student ministries, our middle school ministry, our high school ministry. We love those environments and we love students to be there. But we also want students to come into this environment and say, this connects with me too. It's easier for students to go to the student environments and there's an easy connection there, but those student environments don't last forever. They will eventually graduate from the middle school ministry. They will eventually graduate from our high school ministry, but we don't want them to graduate from church. And so we want middle school students, high school students to be worshiping with us. And we want our, our services to connect with them. We want them to say, yeah, I like that song. We want them to say, yeah, that, I learned something about the Bible today. Or I was encouraged by seeing all these generations worshiping together. We want to capture their hearts young so that they don't graduate from their faith when the student ministry is over. And the, and, but we, in, in fact, instead want them to say, no, there's, there's a place for me in the church ongoing. And we, we want that for them. We care for them in that sense. Then our fourth target is the mature believer. That is, we don't want to leave anyone behind. That we also really, this is an important target. And we, we say it specifically because we want to target the mature believer. We want someone to come to our church who's been following Jesus for a long time to be able to stop and at the end of the service say, I was encouraged. I learned something. I grew. I was, I, I, I was able to respond to God in this place, in this environment. We want that. We don't want to leave anyone behind. It encourages me when I've talked with people who, they're like, I've been following Jesus a long time, but man, I never understood that passage, and now I do, and I know how to apply it. I love that. We want to connect with the mature believer. And you may be saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, I'm a mature believer, and I'm fourth on the list. How about that? Just, just a moment. You're not alone. I fit that target too, okay? So you're not alone in there, and we're not leaving you out. And, and let me be clear. You're not alone, but we're also, we're, we're not, um, by saying that it's our fourth target, we're not saying that we're not going to go deep at South Hills Church, that we're going to dance around Scripture and only teach certain things um, or, you know, not teach certain things. If you've been coming for a while, you know we're going to teach the Bible, 
and we're going to tackle hard topics, and we're not going to dance around them. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to be upfront about it. So we're not watering things down. We're not dancing around things. If you've been here this summer or before that, you know we've talked about hard issues. We've talked about divorce. We've talked about death. We've talked about hell. We even talked about money, okay? So we're not avoiding issues. We're talking about them. We want to grow deep. We want to help people continue to follow God and grow. But at the same time, we want to keep a keen eye on those who are on those other three targets. And, and I think this is important because there's a couple of ways you can define a mature believer. You can define a mature believer by um, how long they've been a, a follower of God. That's one way of defining it, how long they've been a Christian. A second way to define a mature believer is by how important the other three targets are to them. That's another way to define it. How important are the other three targets? How willing are they to sacrifice and to serve and to meet those other three targets? I think that's a better definition of what a mature believer is. They say, that's, that's what I'm after. And, and here's one of the things that we have learned. We have learned that um, if we, um, that the order here is important. That, it's, that if we focus on the new believer, the almost believer, the seventh grader, the mature believer, that we're able to reach all four targets. But if we reverse the order and we put the mature believer in the center, we are less likely to reach the other three. And so the order is important. And we've also found that, you know what, if we don't reach these target demographics, we don't connect with them, there's, there's, um, there's something that takes place if we can't, don't connect. And so again, let's go to the next slide. If we, we found if we don't connect with the, um, the new believer or the, you know, the, the almost Christian, the seventh grader, there's, there's a something that can take place. So if we don't connect with a new Christian, guess what? They, um, they won't stay. If a new Christian shows up and they're like, man, they're talking way over my head. There's no one that's helping me walk along to t- know my next step. There's no, there's no pr- clear process of where do I go. There's, there's, uh, you, I don't connect with this music or the people here. They won't stay. They might come to Christ and come here, but they're not going to stay here, and we miss a discipleship opportunity. And so we have to be saying, okay, how can we be very, very careful to, with that new believer to say, hey, discipleship is important. We want to help you understand what the Bible has to say. We want to love you into maturity and growth. We're going to care for you. We're going to step, set things aside so that we can focus on your growth and development just as someone did that for us. So, but if we don't do that, they won't stay. The almost Christian, if we don't connect with them, they won't believe. The person who's almost Christian, who's coming and like, yeah, this doesn't connect with me. There's just stuff that's not, just, I don't get, they won't believe. Now, if God's after them, he's going to get them. I just want it to be here at South Hills Church. I want to be a part of a church that's, that God is actively using to build his kingdom. And I want you and me to be able to have the front row seat to see lives transformed um, by Christ. And, and we want to connect with them. And I, I can't think of anything more exciting than that, right? So I want to be a part of a church that says, hey, we're trying to build the kingdom and we want to partner with Jesus in that. Then the seventh grader, if we don't connect with them, they will check out. Now, their parents might be forcing them to come, and they're here, but if we're not connecting with them in, in their language, in, 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 in styles and preferences and certain things that they say, yeah, this is it, um, they'll check out. They'll just, you know, they're, they're counting the tiles on the ceiling. They're, they're looking at everything else, and they're, you know, drawing pictures, whatever it might be. They're checked out, and they're just waiting till they can graduate from high school, go to college when they're not forced to do their own thing, and they, they, we miss the opportunity to help them grow. Then, uh, if we don't connect with a mature Christian, guess what? They'll tell us. 
And I say that both sides, because you know what? Here's the truth. We want to hear from you. We want to hear from everybody. And I love it when a mature believer says, hey, this isn't working for me. This is a suggestion I have, or there's this stuff that's going on, and here's, here's ideas. I, I love that, because the mature believer will tell us that, but you know what? The other three won't. There's a voice here and confidence here, but the other three, they'll just leave. They, we won't connect. They, they won't, they'll check out. And so I want to hear from everyone. And if we focus on the target of the mature believer, we won't hear from the others. And so we have to stop and really be very, very careful. And the many times that I've had conversations with mature believers who are saying, yeah, the, the worship style or the, the, some of the presentation or some of the way that people dress, and I'm struggling with these things, I get it. We've talked through those things, and I understand a lot of them. But oftentimes I just come back to, hey, but here's the target. I want your kids and your grandkids to want to come to church. And most of them say, yeah, me too. So what do we need to do to help make that happen? Because listen, here's the, I said this when I first came, and I'll keep saying it. We want uh, to be a church that your children and get grandchildren want to attend. We want to reach them. We want to connect with them, and we want you to partner with us because we, we really do truly want uh, people to, to continue to grow and connect and reach the, the next generation. So this is important. So those are the, that's my encouragement and my two explanations. Now, let, let me just for a moment talk about the connect piece because this is critical. The connect piece is important. That's the other side of it. Engage with God, engage with people. And so the way that we, um, really the primary strategy for us in ter- terms of helping people connect, not just with God, but with one another, is through life groups. That is the primary strategy of South Hills Church. There's lots of different ways you can connect. And so you connect through serving, so you connect through different ministries, maybe you've showed up at Grief Share. There's ways that you've connect. But our primary strategy for helping people connect is through life groups. This is a lot, of, there's a lot of people here today. And you can't know everyone. And and it's very easy to show up and leave and not have any connection. We want you to have a connection. And so life groups is our strategy to do that. Life group is a small group. It's a small group environment now where you can be known and um, know others. And that's an intentional strategy that we have. And so in terms of our purpose of life groups, let me just give you kind of a, a quick overview. Life groups are living room conversations to help you figure out what to do on Monday with what you're hearing on Sunday. Life groups meet and they talk about the, the weekend service. What did we learn? What are we hearing? And now, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Life groups meet on different nights. But the point is this, that throughout the week, we're taking what we're learning. We're saying, how do we apply it? Let's, let's, let's go deeper. Let's continue to have the conversation. Let's, let's have this be um, an ongoing conversation so that we're growing together in community, in alignment with one another. That's an important thing. So that's part of the purpose. But then there's some priorities with that as well. And so, um, oh, let me give you uh, the, just mention this about the life group. So we do want you to encourage you with it, but we, um, and we're actually, this week, the life groups are starting, and we're going to a trimester system. That is, um, so you're saying, okay, if I commit to a life group, does that mean I'm in forever for life and, <laughs> and never, never getting out? No. Um, we want to we encourage you to commit to a life group and continue to walk with people for um, a significant period of time. But we also recognize that sometimes um, you need on-ramps and off-ramps. And so we have semester system. It's a little off there, but we have a fall semester, a winter semester, and spring semester, and there's different week commitments. So you know what you're committing to. Hey, I can do this for nine weeks. Give it a shot. 
or hey, I can't this fall because of various reasons, but this winter, hey, guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it another shot. And, and then it's a way to, to be on. And if life changes, we'll, we'll work with you on that. But this kind of segmented out so you know what you're committing to, know when the breaks are, and there's ways in and there's ways off in different seasons and for lives. But we are ultimately encouraging you to say, how can I go from a kind of a um, large church to a, a, a real community where I'm growing with people and finding encouragement, having that engagement with God? Now, the priorities that I just want to mention are this, the ABCs of our life groups, okay? Here's the first one. Life groups, we want to help you focus on how to apply the Bible to life. So you're learning things. That's great. There's information that you're getting on the weekends. We want you to be able to say, well, how does that then apply to my life? And as I talk with people and I hear how God's working and what they, the, what, how it, they're applying it to their life, it helps us um, take it another uh, level deeper in our life. So we want to talk about how do we apply the Bible to our life. Secondly, build authentic relationships. Um, it's great that we come together once a week for worship. We want that to happen. I've already told you that. I want that to be a priority for you. But it's also um, hard at times to grow deeper with other people. And so there's the opportunity in the life group to say, now I have uh, deeper relationships in this church, that I'm building relationships with other people. We're growing together. And now when something comes up in my life, I know who I can call because I'm building relationships with the people in the group. And then C, it's to care for one another, to care for one another. That um, as a pastor of our church, I want to care for you all. But here's the deal. I can't. I can't meet everyone's needs. I can't care for you all. Um, and that bothers me. But you know what? It's okay. I can't. I'm one person. There's a, a certain span of care. Other pastors, they have a certain span of care. But when we have life groups, you have a new um, community that can care for you that can walk with you in crisis, that can encourage you when you need it, that can help you grow in your faith. We want that for everyone, to have that level of deep relationship and care as you walk through life. Now, I can go on and on and tell you more and more about why I think life groups are great and why I think I want to encourage you to connect to one, but I think it would be helpful maybe just to have you hear from someone in our church who's been in a life group and how meaningful it has been to them. And, and I asked uh, this past week, Courtney uh, Riley, to share her story um, of joining a life group. She'd never been, her and her husband, her family had not been in a life group before, but they joined this past spring. And in God's timing, um, it, was, it was perfect, a timing for them to be surrounded with people in a life group. Um, and I'll let her share a little bit of her story, but go ahead and take a look. My name is Courtney Riley, and I'm married to Garrett. We've been married for 10 years. We have three beautiful children. We originally are from Vancouver, Washington. We attended a church there. We got married. My husband and I continued attending that church in Vancouver, but we never got involved in community groups as a married couple. And then when you have kids, life happens. You just get busy. So we still didn't connect with young families. I think we knew that we wanted a God-centered marriage. We believed in God. We wanted God for our kids. In 2018, we moved here to Kennewick. We moved closer to family, and my husband commuted to Yakima every shift with a brand new baby. I had a two-year-old. I had a four-year-old. And we had nothing and nobody else except a sister who also had three young children. How do you make adult friends 
how do you get connected? We church hopped for a little while and then soon we kind of felt home at South Hills. It felt like home when you listen to Scott preach. I always kind of say these things are God winks when life connects you in the most crazy way possible. This was one of those times. So I just felt like good things were now going to start happening. I don't and I'm not comfortable going up and talking to other people that I don't I don't know. Because again, it's new people. We have never had a life group before. And so this was a big step and a big challenge for us individually and us as a married couple. But we went four days after his graduation ceremony, I was diagnosed with triple positive stage three, grade three breast cancer at the age of 36. You know, we didn't know what we were gonna do. And we had a life group meeting shared what I was going through, that's been such a blessing that I would not have had had I not taken the opportunity to say yes to an invitation to join a life group. I could just feel like Garrett and I just growing stronger, talking more at home. You know, it, it was something that we had been yearning for. And again, not knowing how to make this thinning marriage like come back together. Um, my husband and I have been like dying to get back into life group. I just want to encourage anybody, whether it's cancer or a death or curiosity, joining a life group has been life changing in more ways than one. Okay, I gotta take a break for a minute. <laughs> okay. So remember to pray for Courtney and her family as they continue through uh, the process of treatment for cancer. But I'm grateful that they have a life group that's gonna walk with them. And I was also praying for them and thinking about them and their needs that they can share and walk the journey, not in isolation but with people, engaging God and engaging other people. My encouragement to you is to connect and commit to a life group. And if it's not now, I want to encourage you to say, when? When will you do it? When's the way that you can say, I want to go deeper? There is a passage of Scripture. I'll just end with this. Luke chapter 4. Let me show you this statement. It says this in Luke 4, 16. He went to Nazareth, as Jesus, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. Look at that again, as was his custom. Jesus went to synagogue to worship. And it's, was it because he didn't have a close relationship with God? Nope, it wasn't for that reason. He came because he wanted to engage with God, engage with God's people. And it was his custom, his pattern, his habit. If we want to be aligned with God, we have to say, how can we follow Jesus' model and make it our custom, make it our habit, engage with God, engage with God's people. Let's take a moment and let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it guides us and it leads us. We thank you for your church where we can come and we can worship you. We can respond to you with our songs. We can respond to you with our, 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 our lives. We can, we, you can hear your word and apply it to our lives. We're grateful for that. We're also grateful for the community that you've placed us in. Lord, help us to reach out to others. Um, to care for them, to engage them, to love them like you've called us to. Help us also to lean into the community that you provided for us so that we can experience your love and your care through others. God, we pray this together in your name.